We are going to take you on an amazing journey while you will, where you will learn how to come home and how to become a partner to life. So healing the centuries-old wound of separation is not an easy thing, but it can be achieved in seconds. First comes understanding, and then the breaking of old habit patterns. Understanding is an inside job. Breaking patterns takes community. I'll be sharing my story and the resources that got me here, both from science, indigenous wisdom, and systems thinking. I'm committed to creating an entire generation of regenerative leaders, and you may be one. You are welcome to DM me at any time. If you want to go deeper, then joining the Coming Home Project community as you learn to live regeneratively would be a good thing. The shift is as easy as shifting from living on the planet to living with the planet. Easy to say and much harder to do. But life loves life. So there's nothing to fear, just old thought patterns and habits to change. So join me as we explore the wonderful, amazing biology of life and how that changes everything. Let's get started. So listen up, Buttercup. Here's the plan. This is part one. Given the situation we're facing, the enemy of life is heat. So heat is really our greatest concern and managing that. I think that's why there's been such a push to do fossil fuel stuff, but that's only part of it. Um, and yes, that all has to stop, but that's not anything you or I can do anything about. So my concern is what can we do in spite of what everybody else does or does not do? That's what's gonna get us through us. We got ourselves into it by everybody participating. We can get ourselves through it by everybody participating. It will not stop. Heat is here to stay. So our goal, is to learn to manage that. And in order to do that, obviously you want it cooler. <laughs> that's the point. And that's how the planet has worked. It has kept this balance between heat and cold, heat and cold, cold some places, hot some places, but there's been a movement and a balance of that. And for 65 million years, we have had a temperature in a fairly narrow range and a range that has been very tolerable for all the life that we see. It's the good news and the bad news, because the good news is that happened, and we're here because of it, and the bad news is that's changing, and we have no idea what it's changing to, but I can tell you, if we do nothing, it will be way hotter than if we do something, and because we can do something, and in that doing, totally change our relationship to the planet Earth. I believe that's the plan. <laughs> that's what we've been called to do, to shift our 
use mentality to one of a nurturing mentality. So cooling requires water. And how do we get water on this planet? That is an amazing story. And one that actually we've not really known the full details of until very recently. And we'll probably learn more as time goes on. What creates rain? If you were like me, you probably learned in school, it's the evaporation of water. So water in lakes and forests and oceans, lakes and oceans and streams is what I meant to say. So water in lakes and oceans and streams evaporates, goes up to clouds, and then it comes down as rain. That's only part of the story and actually a fairly small part of the story in truth. What really creates rain is forests. Now forests are special. They're not just a bunch of trees and that's part of the problem, but we have a solution. Forests are old relationships. It's a collection of plants and animals and bacteria and fungi that have all decided to live together and have worked to make that life harmonious for everybody participating. Creating those kinds of agreements between living creatures takes time. It's not something that can happen overnight, which is why old growth forests are so precious. We so need to keep the old growth forests that we still have. They are key to maintaining the water balance, the hot and cold balance on this planet. They're going to have to change some, but we need to do everything we can to keep that relationship between plants and rain alive. And in order to do that, part of what's key and which we can do something about is soil. Because soil is what holds all those plants and animals together. And in fact, there's more life below ground than there is above ground. Get your head around that. There's more life below ground than above ground. So we need to nurture that life in every way we can. So here's a slide showing the biotic pump. So yes, there's evaporation from the oceans. It goes up, absolutely. But over land, when land has trees, forests in particular, when rain falls on those forests, it nurtures the trees. Trees give off or use something like 40 gallons a day. It's quite a significant amount that they go from roots to the tops of their leaves. And that's called trans evapotranspiration. <laughs> So that's that blue haze that you see in forests. That's the water vapor going off the trees and up into the clouds. Then those clouds by wind are taken over land in other places and it falls as rain. So it's this cycle actually from rain through trees through rain through trees that is most of the precipitation generation that we need. So 70% of rainfall. So this is actually 
the greatest river system in the world. And I have a slide for that in just a minute. So moist air goes up, comes down over land as rainfall, and then the heat releases that rain from those plants up back up into the clouds as dry air. And that creates that biotic pump, that movement of air that goes across the world. Adding rainforest and agroforesting to the tropical zone, say the size of India, that's 3.3 milocubics or one million, 300,000 square miles. I'm not reading this correctly, but you get it's a lot. Will probably be enough to stop the planet from heating up. So science is saying that if we replace forests to this extent, the size of India, we can rebalance the planet. That's doable, folks. That's something we can do. And this is part of the task that I see regenerative leadership doing. This very beautiful slide is showing how forests, and specifically one, two, three, four, five areas of forest in the world provide what are called flying rivers. These, are, these rivers are how the planet cools. So there is obviously a forest in the Amazon. Amazon provides 70% of the rain for southeastern South America. There is also a boreal forest in Canada. There is also a boreal forest in Russia. There is also a boreal forest in Eurasia, Malaysia area. And then there is another boreal forest, which nobody seems to talk about in the Sahel in Africa. Each of these forests provide rain, provide the transpiration of plant life into the air, into clouds, which then flow across the world. In those places where we have disrupted that water soil, we have created desertification. And those places have desertified, des desertified because of what we've done. It's human action that has done that. So we're seeing the Sahara creeping into Europe. You can actually measure the difference per year. And part of that has to do with the disruption from these flying rivers that has come about as we destroy the forests that they depend on. So stopping the destruction of the forest is absolutely critical. But we can help in other ways as well. We can make rain because forests make rain. Now it seems daunting to create a forest. The truth is we can do it. You've heard me talk about this book before and you'll hear me talk about it again. It's called The Mini Forest Revolution by Hannah Lewis. It's available on Amazon and it's 
sharing the work of a Japanese man, Miyakawa, who discovered that if you understand original plants and replant original plants all together as a forest with all those levels, this is a permaculture idea too, that there are levels in the forest. So you have all these levels, all these plants, you plant them at once. And in three years, it becomes self-sustaining. You have recreated the original forest and it brings back original birds, bees, insects, and fungi and animals. We can do this. We can do pockets of forests everywhere. It can be as tiny as six parking places or bigger. This is a project we can do. It also means that you have to understand how water flows. So here I'm recommending another book. It's called Rainwater Har Harvesting by Brad Lancaster. And he's got about seven or eight different books, all available on Amazon. So check it out. I'll talk a little bit more about this amazing man shortly. But understanding, and permaculture is a really good help for this also. So anything you have on permaculture will really help. You'll understand how water flows. And the goal is to keep water in place as long as possible. You want water soaking down into the soil, not running off in streams. So if you live over an aquifer, as I do, that's triply important because you want to refill that aquifer. It's taken millions of years to fill that aquifer. Here's another little interesting fact that you might find intriguing. The earth is tilted about 34% on its axis. And do you know why? It's because we've been taking water out of aquifers and putting it back in the ocean. Think about that. We have moved enough water to tilt the earth's axis. And we got to put it back. It is a treasure. <laughs> it is what allows us to live in difficult times. We cannot afford to extract without returning. And it, we can help with the returning by ensuring that the soil is healthy and alive so that it will absorb that water and hold it. So what is the regenerative leadership actions that you can take? Personally, you can begin to use less water. Pay attention. Turn that tap off when you're not using it. Figure out how to use gray water. Catch water off your roof when it rains. And that's going to become crucially important as we go forward and it gets warmer because rains are going to be more infrequent. So the sooner you can start doing this, the better off you're going to be. Learn about how water puddles. Learn how to keep water in your space. Direct rainwater, direct gray water toward trees and plants that you want to keep. What's interesting and just so amazing to me is that we have streams flowing year round. And that's always been a puzzle, just a, a wonder, a miracle in my eyes. But that happens because the water holds soil and releases it over time. 
that allows the streams to continue to run. So we need to harvest that water in a way that keeps it available for use over time. So leadership in your city or community is actually not that much different. It takes a little more chutzpah and a little more finesse to be able to work with other folks who may not be quite as dedicated as you are. But getting the water, the city, getting the people in your city and community to use less water, that's what it's all about. So what can you do? How can you help educate? How can you encourage? How could you start such a program? And the city land needs to be redesigned for holding rainwater also. So this is where Brad Lancaster is really quite amazing. He lives in Tucson, Arizona. And when he first got this idea, he just he got it because he realized that Tucson, which is a desert community, gets more rainfall than the entire community uses in, in a year. More water in a rainfall than they use. I'm going to say that again. They get more water in rainfall than they use. But what are they doing? They are taking and spending something like $80 billion to take water from the Colorado River 300 miles to Tucson. So they're stealing water from others so that they can live because they've wasted the water they have. This makes no sense. And he thought it didn't make any sense either. So he experimented in his own yard. And then he expanded to his own neighborhood. And he did curb cuts because he realized that the water flowing down that curb was just like water in an arroyo. So he diverted that water when it came to the plants and trees that needed it as it was whizzing by. And he created this green oasis in the middle of his city. Well, then he went to City Hall and to their credit, they listened to him. So now Tucson is redesigning itself so that the water that does come nurtures the plants that are already there, makes Tucson green. Every city can do this. So get one of his books, Rainwater Harvesting by Brad Lancaster. There's another place that you can research if you're interested in this kind of thing. So it's called Village Homes, and it's in California, in Davis, California. It's a community of about 50 people, and it was designed based in part on Brad Lancaster's water catching things. There is um, uh, in my YouTube channel and just on YouTube generally, you can probably Google it, um, a video that a resident of Village Homes took when they had a rain event. And that rain event was, I think, in 2021. And they got five inches of rain in a couple of hours. Usually that's enough to create incredible flooding, but it didn't because they had so designed their land that the rain had places to go, to stop and to soak into the land. Now they've been doing this for about 50 years. So their soil is very rich, is very healthy. And it was able to hold a lot of rain. 
1% of an increase in organic matter results as much as 25,000 gallons of available soil water per acre. I'm going to say that again. Soil has an amazing water retention capacity. Every 1% increase in organic matter, in organic matter, results in as much as 25,000 gallons of available soil water per acre. This is from the Kansas State Extension Agronomy. We can help. You can help. As a regenerative leader, compost. And get everybody else you know to compost. And then use that compost on your soil. This is a cycle thing. This is a cycle thing. Every year you make compost and every year you put that new compost on your soil and then the next year you make more. That's how you enrich your soil. This is not rocket science. It's not difficult. It doesn't take a lot of skill, a little practice. It's, it is an art to have the right amount of carbon and nitrogen available in that compost pile so it works at its peak efficiency. But we're all artists, so that shouldn't be too difficult. Become uh, a master composter. Take a class. Get your local businesses to contribute. Grocery stores have an incredible amount of waste. Let's begin to use this on the soil that we need to have healthy. And the other thing is don't disturb it. You do not need to plow. You do not need to turn over soil in order to plant. You do need to make small holes. That's true. But often you can get away without doing that either, especially if you're using seeds. You can sprinkle seeds and then put dirt on top of them. The soil is a living thing. The mycelium that we're starting to hear so much about is present everywhere. And those little threads get all cut up and chopped up when we till rototill or dig it up. So you don't want to do that. You actually want to keep it. You can also do biochar. Biochar is an amazing thing. It is a discovery of Amazon um, indigenous people who were able to feed their very populous cities in a very uh, I'm not sure about the word thin, not very healthy forest soil because um, it didn't have a lot of the humus, humus in it that it needs. Um, and so they used biochar. So biochar has to be prepared, be prepared in a special way. You can buy it. You can get machines to help you do it. Um, and it burns wood to charcoal. And then that charcoal is pulverized and put in the soil. And it not only is a carbon sink, huge carbon sink, but it so nurtures the soil that the soil grows. It actually grows a foot a year. So you will create more health in your soil at the rate of a foot of a year if you use biochar. There is more, much more we can do. I want to give you a taste of how powerful we can be about how much we can do but we got to start now. You can't wait. The mini forest revolution is so amazing. 
and so fantastic. But it takes time to figure out what the, the native plants were. It takes more time to find them. It is a great way to partner with indigenous people. It takes a small army to plant, and it takes a few people to water for three years. So you're looking probably at a five-year project. We can't wait. You have to start now. It will make a huge difference. And the more we learn about it, the easier it will become. Regenerative leadership actions, personal, compost, do a mini forest. If you have a backyard bigger than six parking places, use it. Plant a mini forest there. Get a couple of friends, do the research, make it a project. And once you've learned how to do it, do it again. Then start working with your city and community. Get them to compost. Get them to help residents compost. What can you do to develop programs, to stimulate the programs that are already there, to educate people? Partner with master gardeners. They already know and understand this. Look, at, look for your local permaculture organization. Work with your parks department. Revitalize those parks. Make them a mini forest. Add trees. Make sure the soil is rich. Put those clippings back into the soil, compost them, don't take them away. There's a lot you can do in your space to make it healthy. A healthy soil not only keeps water, but if water is there, it prevents forest fires. And if the soil is healthy, it prevents floods. This is a win, 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 folks. Now, when you think of doing stuff for climate change, you think of recycling and all that kind of stuff, but it really means re-engaging with the planet. This is just the start. There is so much to learn. You can do this knowing almost nothing. It's very simple things to learn. It does take a little bit of learning. It takes a little bit of botany, a little bit of biology, a little water dynamics, all that kind of stuff. But this is simple learning. The hard learning also needs to happen. But nature takes time. And because nature takes time, we can start here. We're in such a crisis because everything is so fragmented. One of the beautiful things about thinking this way is that when you do one thing, make soil healthy, you save water, you prevent fires, you prevent flooding. It is a one size fits all. It develops everything. It unifies an approach to so many problems instead of fragmenting. It gets rid of fear because it shows the real possibility that we have to make a difference, to start making changes now. Instead of worrying about being a survivor, become a thriver. Figure out how to make this abundance happen in your life and in your community's life. Stop the resistance and learn to partner. This is part of the regenerative leadership skill base. Learning to partner with others, with people, with organizations, with city governments. There's lots of ways to partner. There's many organizations that can be pulled together to pool their knowledge and their human power to really make changes. 
So stop resisting, stop stopping, <laughs> and start working with, be proactive, generative. This is truly an opportunity. Believe in life. Life loves life. Life wants to live. Anything we can do to help it will be so appreciated. Nature will make that an exponential gift. We are intrinsic to this system of life. It needs us. It needs us to do these things, to begin to care and nurture for it the way it has cared and nurtured for us. Be curious. Be willing to learn. Be willing to experiment. Don't worry if it doesn't work the first time or the second time or the third time. Just persist. Partner. Partner as a mentor, partner as a mentee. And hug that sense of adventure. That's what this is. It is a huge adventure. It is a wonderful chance for us to begin to really, really partner with the planet, with all of life. So be excited about this opportunity. The harder leadership challenges are managing our emotions. You really need to know your emotions. Managing does not mean stuffing them. It means not letting them get a hold of you or run away with you. But you need to feel them. You need to feel the despair, the agony, the pain, the suffering, the anger, frustration that is so prevalent at this time but use it as fuel for action. The way we're hardwired in our brain, when we get into fear, that generates cortisol. And cortisol is a fight or flight hormone. And what it does is it shuts down everything except saving you, <laughs> protecting you. But what that means is that you can't think you can't learn, and you actually don't see much. You only you become tunnel visioned. You only see what the threat is. You don't see the possibilities around it. That's why managing your emotions is so key. You can't shut them down. That's not managing. But you can learn to recognize them, take that information, and act on it. Lack of community decision-making skills regenerative leadership, really different folks. You're not there to tell others what to do. You're there to partner with them and to utilize their will, their skills and wisdom as well. It's not just about you because you don't have all the answers. Nobody has all the answers. We never did actually, but we could fool ourselves and we did for a time. Well, we can't do that anymore because we need everybody to participate Everybody has to feel welcomed, honored, treasured, respected, so that they can give what they have. And that means overcoming these old habits of separation and power. Regenerative leaders are not about power over. They're not about having the solution. They're not about figuring it out. They're about learning to listen to hear the wisdom both from the planet and from the rest of the population, 
from the plants and animals around them and to work with them because everything wants life. In this time where everything is suffering from heat, everything needs us. So we have to give up distrust and disinformation. You can always trust the planet. You can always trust the plants and animals around you because the only thing they want is life. They don't care about anything else. So if you can learn to tease from them what they need in order to thrive and help that manifest, then in that partnership, we will truly regenerate this planet. So I'm offering additional options for regenerative leadership. This is such a small taste, but it gives you a sense of where we're going, where we can go, what the possibilities are. So in September, I'm offering a series of webinars called Listening to the Earth. They're on my website, uh, September 1st, September 4th, September 13th, and September 21st, at various times from one to three, all Pacific time. These are free. So this is just an exploration, a deeper exploration of what it means to be a regenerative leader and what the responsibilities are if you take this on. And then October, we're going to do a, a month-long class, 12 hours, eight hours of instruction and four hours in cohorts on the regenerative leadership framework, looking at all the little parts and pieces and how they come together. And then if you're still interested, in the fall of 2024, I will be doing a training um, that will go way deeper. And we'll also, if you wish just to be certified, we'll actually work on projects together, implementing these kinds of thoughts and feelings. The earth knows, she truly does. And so understanding and working with the principles and the intents that have kept her thriving for all these billions and millions of years can only help. But this is hard work, actually, because it goes against everything we know, everything we think we know, every all the habits we've developed. And so there's a lot of unlearning that goes with this process. And that's the real work of regenerative leadership. But I do welcome you to the Coming Home Project. This is where we as a community begin to explore these things together. Find partners for our projects, just get support, be able to come in and yell and scream at all the frustration and anger and, and the ridiculousness that you have to deal with when you're trying to make change this big and this profound. That's part of it. But it's learning to be in love with life, with each other, with the process, with the planet and to make that love evident in all our actions, in everything we do. So come join us and I will talk with you again in a couple of weeks. Thanks for listening. I'm so appreciative of your joining me on this journey. To go deeper, check out the Coming Home Project community. The link is on the podcast webpage and on my own webpage, bridge2partnership.com.
It's time to take action and become a regenerative leader. There's more information on the webpage and in the Coming Home Project community network. You can support my work through donations on my podcast page or by joining my Patreon page. I'm open to questions and messages, so please connect. Let's be sure to leave your name so that I can reference you when I respond. Thanks so much for being here. It's the new Mother Nature taking over. She's getting us all. She's getting us all.